And so we begin this morning, I'm a little hot, I can tell you that right off the bat. I don't want you to burst your eardrums because sometimes I get a little excited, so we'll adjust. Hey, we begin our series this morning with you asked questions. What are those questions that we have? And we're going to talk about those in just a minute. And over the next several weeks together, we're going to look at questions that uh, people just really want to ask, but maybe feel uncomfortable asking in a church, maybe embarrassed to ask. Like you shouldn't ask those in church, that they're obvious answers, or somebody might look at you funny if you ask that question. But yet it's on everybody's mind. And so we're going to look at those. Before we begin, I do want to sort of update you on a few things. Uh, it is upward registration, and upward basketball is one of those times a year where we really get to uh, have some fun with the kids and use our gymnasium and reach out to the community. So registration has begun, and it will end December 2nd or when we fill up. And we'll probably fill up first. So if you know children, uh, people that you're talking to, maybe folks that you'd like to invite to participate, make sure to let them know that they need to register quickly this year. And also our fall festival on the 31st. Um, that evening of the 31st, we'll all get together. There's some, uh, all kinds of activities happening. If you'll check out the little display in the foyer, uh, make sure that you're, you can help bring in candy. There's a chili cook-off and cupcake bake and all kinds of fun stuff. So make sure that you check that out in the foyer on the way out. And then also this is our last Sunday for our students to do reach teams. Are we dismissing our students now, John? Or, okay. The students are dismissed. And, um, and by the way, those guys are in teams um, raising money by working for it and taking donations to take to those who have um, been uh, victims of natural disaster. We have, we have had a lot of those in our own country. They've also had some around the world. And next week we'll be taking um, the money that the students reach teams have collected and earned and taking that to India to feed um, those who would otherwise have no food this winter. So if, if you'd like to participate, this is the last Sunday to do that. You can put a check in the offering plate and just put on their uh, natural disaster or relief or something like that, reach teams, and those, that money will get to... to India this week. Finally, Operation Christmas Child is approaching, and you'll notice the nice display we have in the worship center. You can take boxes, fill them on your own, or what you could do is come back and join us for our packing party November 11th. And if you'd like to come bring all the supplies, we'll get together and enjoy some fun together and maybe um, pray for the people whose box we are packing that they might receive that day. And, uh, and do it together and enjoy that time. But if you can't come November 11th, then the deadline is the 12th. Make sure you get your box in and we'll start displaying them out there in the foyer by the display. Okay? So that's the events and up upcoming stuff that's going on. And if you're a guest this morning or a visitor, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us this morning. Maybe somebody invited you. Our whole church is out there these uh, last couple of weeks and over the next few weeks inviting people to come and learn more about what we're doing here, who God is, and what he has planned for our lives. And to that end, we're looking at this series, You Asked, the questions that we all want to know. Why do we ask these questions? Let's begin here. These are questions that we ask most of us in the human race because we're trying to make sense of the world around us, right? And sometimes it's not always easy. We have questions like, what's our purpose? And, and why me? Why does my life have different events than somebody else's life and it affects me differently? Uh, why are we here? What's, what's the meaning to my life? And when things happen, how do I interpret that? Is there a way to interpret that that's helpful? Does God really care? Um, those are the kind of questions that we have. Is God real? 
What about other religions and other faiths and other prophets? Those are some of the things. When we zone in on the question that we're going to look at this morning, I want to tell you that not long ago, within the last couple of years, there was a a poll. Gallup did the poll and Barna did the same poll and they came out with the same results. And the poll was this, taken only in America. It was, answer the following question. If you could ask God right now one question, you're only allowed one and he would answer it, what question would it be? And it may not surprise you, especially in today's world, to learn that the number one question that people in America would ask God is this, why, if you are such a loving God, do you allow suffering and bad things to happen in our world? Right? That is the number one question. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the pollsters also reported that that question was also reported largely in majority by those who were married. That's a statistical anomaly. I'm not offering an explanation. I'm just pointing it out. Um, yeah, in your own marriage, that may be true. It may not be true. But anyway, it doesn't take long living in America or somewhere else in the world today to realize that bad things do happen, don't they? Bad things are constantly happening. It's nothing new. It has been occurring since the creation. Look around just today. Think about this. Illness that you know of, abuse, broken relationships, betrayal, sorrow, injury, disappointment, heartache, crime, death. These are all things that all of us, we share this in common as part of the human race. We experience these things on a regular basis. In fact, Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9 is sort of this really wise man of the Old Testament. This king um, basically just did an exhaustive search and asked these questions before God. And he came to the conclusion that nothing is new under the sun. These are the same questions and the same experiences that we all have. And we all experience the same yearning for better in life today, let's just take our generation or maybe the last 80 years to cover that generation. We've seen two world wars almost taking over the entire world. We've seen a holocaust, not only of Jews, but of other races, genocides in Kosovo and Rwanda, Russia. Famines, we've seen famines where Millions of people have starved in Africa, China, India. The killing fields of Cambodia was not long ago. We've seen diseases come onto the scene that we've never seen before, much like the plague of old. The Syrian slaughter recently, thousands upon thousands of innocent people caught up in that tragedy. The elementary school tragedies that we've seen, Sandy Hook being one of the most well-known. The riots that we're seeing today and killing police officers, the Hurricane Harvey and Irma, just even very recently, the fires that we have here in Northern California, and of course, the Las Vegas massacre. All these things are bad events. They leave us brokenhearted. They leave some, the ones more directly affected, more than brokenhearted, they leave some sorrowing, in pain, suffering loss, And the question is, why does God, if he's such a loving God, or if he is God at all, why does he allow that? I think Jesus addresses this in John chapter 11. While God was here, in the person, in the flesh, walking, he showed us some of the answers to these questions. And I want to tell this story and read this in 
John chapter 11. It's the death of Lazarus. And he builds a framework for us to be able to understand why bad things happen. And you've got to understand this, folks. Why, why are we really asking the question, why do bad things happen? The underlying thought, the underlying concern is, doesn't God care? I mean, if he does, why does he allow it, right? So is God really a caring God? John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now I want to start right there. We're going to hear about the story of a guy named Lazarus who was sick and ended up dying in his sickness. And, and Jesus was personally affected walking through this himself. So the first note in our passage, the first thing that we learn about why is Jesus allowed bad things to happen is they happen to everyone. Bad things do happen to everyone. There's no just, there's no escaping it. There's no, if I live my life a certain way or if I'm in favor or if I'm from a certain uh, geography or part of the world or if, if I come from a certain people group or culture, if I have a certain history or socioeconomic background that maybe I'll sort of be able to escape the suffering and the bad things of the world. And Jesus shows us that's simply not true. Look, while I'm here on the earth, I encountered suffering. I encountered personal loss and death. And we learn that because this guy, Lazarus, who is sick, going to die, is a friend. More than a friend, someone that Jesus personally loves. And so sorrow, sometimes it's death, sometimes it's tragedy and pain and loss. Sorrow affects us just by simply being in this world, by living. Jesus was minding his own business, being God, doing his God thing. And Lazarus gets sick. And the one whom you love is sick. You know what causes suffering, don't you? What causes suffering for us today is love. Think about it. It's because we can love and be loved, receive love, that we, that we experience sorrow and pain. Right? Because if it's not affecting us personally, it's usually affecting those around us. And you're only uh, suffering and, and, and experiencing loss when someone is hurt that you care for, that you love. And when we love someone, they in a sense hold our heart, don't they? And you can't be brokenhearted unless somebody or something has your heart, something or someone you, you love and you experience disappointment in that or loss in that. And then we experience suffering. So in some sense, we're allowed to experience suffering because we have the space in life to be able to love and receive love. If we didn't, there'd be much less, maybe no suffering at all. Why would Jesus be sorrowful in this account? Well, it's because he loved Lazarus. It, it affected him personally, his heart. We love and we lose in life. Let's read on in the story because this starts the discussion right here. And when Jesus heard, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay? Jesus, it's, it's, it's trying to make it very clear to us in the scriptures. He loves these people. 
These are people that are near and dear to his heart. And so, and now Jesus says something that they don't quite understand about, you know, this sickness is not unto death. And that doesn't make sense to us because he does die. And so we're thinking, he said this sickness is not unto death, but he did die. So all we can gather at this point from Jesus saying that is this. When bad things happen, there is always a greater plan at work. There is something that we can't see happening. There's a bigger picture. Jesus is saying, in a sense, you're not really going to understand this now. And it is going to hurt. And it's hurting me. But there's something greater that's going on. Something beyond your immediate time and space that you cannot understand. But I do. Have you ever walked into the movie? In the middle seen about five or ten minutes, decided, nah, it's not something I want to watch, and so you leave the room, and then everybody wonders, why didn't you like that movie? It was awesome. This happens to me and Julie all the time. She likes to watch those sappy love stories. Those, those aren't any good anyway. Because <laughs> they're always, like, talk about suffering loss, there's always, like, they get together, they break up, you know the story. Then they get back together at the end. But, but when she comes into my spy movies or my war movies, she comes in and she'll give it five minutes right in the middle. And then, and then she walks out and says, I didn't really like that movie. didn't care. How could you know you didn't like it? You only watched five minutes of it. You have no idea. Like, like Mission Impossible. And she, she comes in and she watches five minutes. Cause see, you can't understand these. They're too confusing. Well, of course they are. You're right in the middle. I mean... In Mission Impossible, they wear these masks that change their face and they become somebody else. Why is that person doing good? He used to be doing bad. Why did so-and-so die? Why is all of a sudden he with him? How did they get in that car together? It doesn't make sense. Why? Because you came in the middle and you're judging the entire storyline, the drama, uh, your understanding and putting together of all the pieces of it by one certain part in the middle and it makes no sense. It's out of bigger context. And I sometimes wonder if that's how we view bad things in our world. Tragedy, when it comes, sure, it is painful. There, there are times of genuine suffering. But we, we tend to focus on them and isolate them in a certain time and space and fail to recognize, and this helps us to understand, that there's a bigger story, that there's more that we don't understand. And that's all that Jesus is pointing out here in the story, okay? So, 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 so we read on, bad things happen to everyone. In the end of verse 5, it shows that clearly Jesus loved them, and it affected him personally, verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in that place where he was. Observation number two to help us understand the answer to this question. It may seem at times like God doesn't care. This is the story. It's showing us. Could you imagine? Like, like let me just ask you. Jesus hears, okay, Lazarus, Lazarus is suffering. He's sick. He, he's probably going to die. It's the kind of sickness they're concerned about because it's going to more than likely lead to some sort of death and loss. And it's in Bethany, by the way. You know, Bethany's only two miles from Jerusalem. So it's like, it's like Jesus is here and Lazarus is down on Churn Creek. If you travel down Hart, Hartnell to get to Churn Creek, that's not very far. Like you can get there if you start off now. You can, you can maybe make a difference. You can, maybe, you can maybe be there. And sometimes we don't understand when, when the tragedy comes, when, when we experience loss or suffering and, and we're losing perspective, like why is this happening? And sometimes we cry out to God and those are the times where we need God. We think God needs to be there right then and there. And could you imagine, like your dearest loved one, somebody that you care for deeply, 
and, and they've had an accident. They've been in a car accident or, or they're in ICU and they're only two miles away and, and they're calling for you and you need to be there to comfort. And could you imagine? Well, the Cubs game is on, so maybe I'll stay around another day or two. It's a whole series. I've got to find out how it ends first. Could you imagine? Come, please, help, quick, tragedy. We need you. We're broken. Well, I've got this appointment, you see. It's a, I've got to get a haircut, and haircuts are hard to find when you're bald. So I've got to keep this appointment. That's not how we expect God to respond to us, is it? It doesn't make sense to us. When, when we have need, when there's, when there's a need and hurting and loss and suffering, you go, right? You go. You, you do what you can, and that shows love. That shows care and concern. And because Jesus doesn't seem to be there for us in our sorrow or tragedy, he seems almost to be silent or, or absent. Those are the times where we really begin to misunderstand and grow frustrated, angry, and oftentimes even bitter against God. Because he's not there when we, thinks, when we think he needs to be there. Um, has God ever been silent in your life? Has it ever seemed like when something happened that you didn't like a bad thing? That when you look around for God and you cry out for God and you want for God to intervene and take away what is happening, to fix what is being broken in your life, he's not there. He doesn't come and do exactly what you want him to do to alleviate the suffering. And we cry out, why? It must be then, God, that you don't care. I mean, after all, if God really cared, the logic in our minds, if God really cared and he's a a supernatural, divine, powerful being, then isn't it true then that he would have created this world and created us so that we didn't have to experience any suffering so that this wouldn't happen to us in the first place? Why didn't God just create a world that was good? He did. He did. As a matter of fact, when we go back to the beginning and we read the account of scriptures of when God did create all this. He created light from darkness and separated the dry land from the oceans and all of, of the you know, science that's involved in that, the seas. He created the, the grass and the herbs that yield seed, it says, the fruit that yields from trees, the stars and the moon, the sun, the whole solar system, he created that. And, and, then he, and then he created the abundance of living creatures around the earth. It says the abundance of ones that fly, so the birds. And then, and then the sea creatures down below and every living thing that moves, God created them. On this earth, on this creation that had all the beauty of, of, of the ecosystem that worked perfectly and the, 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 the produce and the seed that yielded just right, and there were cattle and every other creeping thing on, on the earth. And, and all, it all was supported very well. And then after all that in creation, in this wonderful, beautiful, in a sense, perfect creation, the crown of his glory, the star of the show, the key part of creation, he then makes us. He makes man and woman. He makes us in his image. Man first and then woman from man. 
and he gives to the star of the show, the, the crowning glory of all of his creation, people, the man, he gives the ability to receive love and to give love. Something that none of the rest of all of creation has. And I just want to remind you that the Bible tells us when that happened, when he created it. Chapter 1 and verse 31 of Genesis. Then God saw everything that he made. Everything that he made. Indeed, it was very good. Not just good. Very good. It was without sorrow. It was without bad tragedy, suffering that comes and bad things that happen. But you got to understand, when God created the one part of creation that he desired to have a relationship with, that's being us, because he loved us, you remember we, we already talked about, suffering comes because there's love. Because he loved us, he also gave us choice. He, he built us, created us with a free will to be able to choose to love him or to not love him. And he had to. Think about it. What else would God really thoroughly enjoy that would reflect his character and his glory and his being? Then those of us that see who he is then see who he's not and choose what he is. I'm reminded of a story, uh, a widow, young widow, she had a bird, she had a parakeet. And the parakeet was sort of just became her hobby and her love and she had it in her little cage in the kitchen and every morning she would go in and the parakeet would be in a sense seemingly happy to see her and chirping and um, of course, more than likely, it was probably just wanting breakfast. But it was there, you know, nonetheless, and it gave her some satisfaction. And, and she would stick her hand and fingers up in her face, and the parakeet would, it seemed like the parakeet loved her. And so she was telling her brother one day, this parakeet is so special, it loves me, it really does love me. And, of course, the guy being a guy is a little more cynical. We think birds are made to be shot <laughs> and ate, not loved. Right? And so the guy says, well, you know, the bird doesn't really love you, sis. You know, I mean, you've got it all caged up, and you, you're the one that provides food for it. It can't, even, it can't even exist without you. So, of course, it's, in a sense, dependent, but you're, you're forcing it to be related to you. If you really want to know if the bird loves you, open up the cage. I mean, if it really loved you, it would come out of the cage and maybe land on the table by where you're having coffee in the morning and come snuggle up next to you and do all the little things that you enjoy that they're doing. And so you know this. The story goes, she goes home and opens up the cage and the bird takes off, sees its chance and flies. I mean, you know, like she's at Target later on that week and there it is hanging out with all the pigeons and all the other birds, the crows, right? (laughs) Ha, thanks, sucker. Thanks for the food. I'm out of here, right? Heading south with all the other birds for the winter. Did the bird really love her? Or was it just forced? You see, God didn't want to create mankind in some cage that we were just forced with no choice, no option. That's not real love. Love has freedom built into it. Love has choice. And so God created mankind with choice, and lo and behold, the nature of man, we saw man choose that which was not God. We saw 
in the very beginning that God had a tendency, excuse me, man had a tendency to create that which was not good. Not good for himself, not good for creation, not good for the world, and not good for God. And the moment the first man, woman, sinned, chose what is not good in the eyes of God, began the fall of the rest of creation. And that ripple effect from choosing that which is not good sort of builds up and over time it's like this avalanche and and culmination of bad choices and sin nature that we have inherited and continue to to propagate. And, And sin has affected, in a sense, cursed the entire world. And it is no longer always good, is it? If the world is decaying, even science tells us that things are in the, in the constant state of degeneration, falling apart. That's the world we live in. Folks, bad things happen because we live in a fallen, cursed world. And the reason that it fell and the reason for its curse was our own bad choices, our own nature. God gave us free will. And so what we really sometimes, if we're honest, what we really want is, I mean, God, I want to live in this world and not have the suffering. I don't want bad things to continue to happen, especially to me or those that I love, right? But if you think about it, what we're really asking, what we're really looking for in that moment is this. We want to be able to make the choices that we want to make without any of the negative consequences. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? It would be nice, except for one thing. God is holy. He is absolutely just and perfect. Irrefutable. Without corruption, of even the slightest indication. And so God cannot allow in his holiness, in his justice, in his goodness, he cannot allow for bad choices to be separated from the consequences that come from those bad choices. If he did, he would be much more like you and I and much less like a sovereign holy God. Aren't you glad that God is not weak and corruptible like we are? Aren't you glad that he's consistently always holy and just and pure. You see, sometimes bad things happen, tragedy comes because of the choices as mankind we have already made. We live in a fallen world, folks. And yet Jesus is telling us, even when he came to walk on this earth and to be here with us and among us, Even he himself was not exempt from experiencing the sorrow from some of those. As a matter of fact, we're going to look later that he actually stepped right into the middle of it all. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He could have been there to stop what was happening at the time. But the truth is that God doesn't always stop bad things from happening. You know, if we go on. I was reading this week and someone pointed out that there's really bad things, uh, suffering that comes, really come as a result of one of 
three things. The first one is they come as a result of our own bad choices, right? I mean, sometimes. And stay with me, okay? I'm not saying every bad thing comes from a bad choice that you made. But there are many things in our life that happen that cause loss and suffering that are a result of the choices that we made. You see, we have to understand that our nature is bad. We've inherited that corrupt nature that caused the fall in the first place. So it's our tendency then to choose those things that continue to propagate the fall. Don't don't be caught confused and frustrated in this vicious cycle of, I still think that I should be able to choose the way I want to and yet not experience any of the consequences of that choice. That just makes it more confusing. Um, Sometimes it's your own choice. I'm just going to say this to you in love. Some, Some, in some cases, stop making bad choices and you will reduce some of the suffering in your own life. And then you don't have to blame God. So we make our own choices. But the second thing is sometimes bad things happen as a result of choices other people have made. Right? It's you people. Right? Everybody do this. Turn to the person next to you. It doesn't matter, left or right. Turn to the person next to you. Look at them and say, you're the cause of my suffering. You are the one that's at fault. (laughs) Doesn't that feel good? It's not me. It's the person sitting next to you. At some point, well, it goes both ways. Because you're going to make bad choices that are going to cause suffering in their life too. At some point, there are choices that other people make that we have absolutely nothing to do with, right? And because of the choices they make, the consequences come. And those consequences somehow will affect me, you, other people, the general suffering of the world around us. Yes, that happens too. Oftentimes, I find that my problem is this. I have suffering that is a result from choices other people have made, and a lot of those were in my childhood, personally, and I had nothing to do with them, and yet they brought sorrow and loss and pain into my life. And then, later on in life, I began to add to that by creating more suffering by the choices that I make that in some cases aren't so different than the ones others made that caused suffering in my life. And so I begin to own that identity of, you know what, I'm just a, a, a victim of the suffering and I'm just going to continue to live out that way. And we get in this pattern of propagating, propelling, continuing the consequences, bad things from choices that were made around us and that we continue to make. Then there's the third category. Sometimes bad things happen because... Bad things happen, right? These are like the ones that there's nothing that I can pinpoint that is a direct choice of some decision that I made or something somebody else did, right? Those people in Hurricane Irma that lost their homes, some lost their lives, lost everything they had, and they don't know where to pick up. I mean, 
What did they do? In some cases, they didn't do anything. Maybe some of them were even making right choices. Some of them were doing with their life and their choices very good things in the eyes of God, and yet they didn't escape, right? You hear the story of the man in New York City who's standing there getting ready to do a charitable act, share something with somebody else, and there's a construction site, and the crane's going over his head, and the crane cable breaks, and this huge megaton block falls right on him, squashes him into nothing, and kills him. It's a true story. Many like it. What did he do? Right? There, I can't find anything in his life that he chose that resulted directly in that suffering coming, that happening to his life. Those things are the ones that really, if we're honest, begin to plague us. Right? Because they seem to, here's the problem, they seem to have no meaning attached to them. They just, they just randomly happen. And, and if we can attach meaning to our suffering, that helps us at least find some purpose. That helps us at least be able to make some sense of it and say, well, there's something that, that can be used of good. There's some greater cause, greater purpose. And the good news is this. No matter what happens that's bad in all the world, and it happens because we live in a fallen world, it happens as a result of things that as mankind we have done sinned against God, even though God is just and holy and he cannot stop the curse of the world right now, he wouldn't be just if he did. He can cause your suffering to work together for greater things that are good. And so really, if you think about it, this God who, why would a loving God allow suffering? Well, he, he allows it because he's holy and righteous and just and because he loved us and gave us free will and free choice. But even though it happened, he's loving enough to enter into our world during the suffering, while we're suffering, and help us, comfort us, bear with us, and help make that suffering that we are experiencing turn out for something that is good. That's a pretty good God. That's a pretty loving God. So our view begins to alter slightly of who God is in the midst of suffering and pain. And I like the story here because it's a little bit funny in John 11. Then uh, verse 7 says, after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. You're going there again? Okay, wait a minute. Lord, we told you Lazarus was sick. He's going to die. They need you. Let's go. And you said, oh, let's wait a few more days. And you didn't want to go. Now we've had time. He's probably already dead. Now we've had time to think it through and realize, actually, that's a place that's very dangerous to go at this time. And now you want to go there? Read on. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What? Wait a minute. Lazarus is sick. He's going to die. Tragedy. Bad. Let's go. No, we're not going to go right now. Okay. Now he's dead. Now you want to go. We don't understand, and, and you're waxing poetic about light and darkness? Like, what the heck does that have to do with it? Right? Like, night, fall, 
but in the light you walk. Okay, so let's go during the daytime then. I don't understand. What are you saying? These things he said in verse 11. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Okay, let me, let me, let me help you out. W- what is happening here is, yes, it's happened, but I still have a purpose. In other words, watch this. God tells us, even though I could not stop or chose not to stop the bad thing from happening, I still have a plan. I still have a good purpose. I still care. That's what he's trying to show them. Let's read on. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. These guys are really confused. Right? Like, a little bit slow like some of us maybe. Just common, ordinary fishermen. Tax collectors. Most of them, right? Okay, wait a minute. Well, if he's sleeping then why bother go there? They're going to throw stones at us and try to kill us. Why face that kind of danger if all we're doing is going just to wake him up? However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking a rest in sleep. So then, Jesus, in all of his grace and patience with us, Jesus says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Okay? Look, you guys aren't getting it. He's not sleeping, he's dead. It already happened. I chose not to stop the tragedy from happening. Now I'm trying to tell you that I'm going to go because I care about the tragedy and I still have a plan in the middle of the tragedy. It's kind of a funny story, but the truth is that's oftentimes the way God acts in our life. That's how he responds. But God, you didn't come in my time of need. You didn't take away something really bad that happened to me. You chose not to intervene and stop it. And yet, afterwards, he does come. And in the middle of it, he is saying, I am here. I didn't abandon you. I didn't leave you. I come because I care for you. And Jesus says to them plainly, and then after that he said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. There's something greater at work here. Nevertheless, let's go to him. And then just to close it off, I love this. And Thomas says to his disciples, let's just all go that we may die with him. You know, forget it. Like, there's all this talk about he's going to be there, he's not going to be there. He's not going to die, he is going to die. He's sleeping, he's dead. We're all going to die, let's just go, who cares? Right, let's just, what are we going to do about it? Let's just go, he's the Lord, let's just follow him. Let's just see what he has. There's nothing better. So if we read on, I want to skip down to verse 20. Now Jesus gets there. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. And Mary was sitting in the house. Now look at verse 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you fill that sentence in somewhere in your life when you've experienced bad things that happen tragedy suffering loss lord if you had been here this thing that hurts would not have happened and i wouldn't be hurting brings us to the third observation 
He does not block our suffering. You see that? He's trying to teach us. I'm not going to take all your suffering away. There are so many today who are so discouraged and so angry at God because in our own mind, in our own logic, and in our own thinking, we equate loving God with taking away the suffering that is a consequence of the choices that mankind has made. God says, I'm not going to block it. I'm not going to take away suffering. So, so if you can just enter into the world of realizing that, you know what? He can't take away the consequences of sin. He's not going to block all the suffering in the world. Then begin to open up the door that says, well, what is he going to do then? And that's where the answers are found. God does not block our suffering, but he just does choose to enter into our suffering, to help us in our suffering. Jesus says to her in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection and in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. Now we've opened the door of what is it that he is going to do if he's not always going to remove suffering. You see, he's saying, there is a plan. I do have hope and a plan for the future. And by the way, let me just play out a little logic for you. Okay, let's just think this through for a second, okay? There are those that I've spoken with, maybe you're here today, and you thought, you know what? I just can't find it in me to believe in a God who would allow this kind of suffering to happen. Like, there's no way. A loving God wouldn't do that. And so many choose to argue against the existence of God and say, that's not true, there is no God, because if he would, there wouldn't be so much suffering. Let's just play this out, okay? Let's say, for example, they're right. You're right, there is no God. No God. Is the suffering gone? No. If you are right and there's no God, suffering is still happening, then who's to blame? If there's no God, you can't blame him, but logically, the only place to look is those who are capable of causing suffering, us. So now, wait a minute. If God doesn't exist because he wouldn't be the cause of such suffering, then we're actually finding out that we literally are the cause of suffering. Then why couldn't God exist even though we still are the cause of suffering and still choose to come into our suffering and make a difference? It's actually easier to believe that God does care. And if you read this, Martha said, I know, I know there's a day in the future where there's a resurrection where we will all raise from the dead. I know way out there in eternity future, and I know you have this great big plan, but, but listen, that doesn't affect me right here and now. Hello? Is that us sometimes? I know, even if God you know, is a new heaven and a new earth and it's all going to be heaven and glory in the end, and that's all great, but that doesn't help me now. You see, Jesus corrects your thinking. 
She erroneously is looking for the resurrection power, the hope that comes in a time and place in a future event. And what Jesus tells her is the resurrection is a person. The hope of the resurrection work that God does is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the hope and the good. And it's not just some future day and event. I am here in your life now. And if you will believe in me, trust me for the forgiveness of your sins. Trust me for the one who will help you in time of need and suffering. You will find relief. You will find hope. You will find meaning. You'll find purpose. It's just, sometimes we just don't get God's love. Right? We, we, we just think love always means comfortable, pleasant, convenient, happy. Right? We, we, our, our minds make that a jump with love, but you got to remember, Jesus showed love. You remember when Jesus showed love, the greatest display of God love that ever existed on the earth? was right in the middle of his own suffering. It was the storyline of the greatest tragedy story of all mankind. And you remember? He was there innocently standing in our place for the payment of sins, being accused, falsely accused, being criticized, being beaten, being misunderstood, and being crucified. And he showed love. Watch this. He showed what love looks like is those that were persecuting him, he prayed for them. Right? Luke chapter 6, verse 32, talks about this kind of love. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive it back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive much back. But love your enemies. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Watch this. Bad things happen. And he does not block our suffering because Final observation, God cares and he has a plan. You see, love is displayed most clearly in its contrast to hate. Hope and goodness and light shines the most brightly in a context that is dark and hopeless. God comes to us allowing tragedy in our suffering 
in our own loss so that he can comfort us, show us his purpose of joining him in displaying what real love looks like. And even in the midst of loss and pain and being mistreated, we can be kind and we can be light and we can love. And God says that as you have been ministered to, as you have been comforted with the very same power and comfort that I've comforted you, you now can comfort those around you. I mean, what kind of a God is this that even though suffering is happening because he gave us free will, that he has this ultimate plan and purpose right in the middle of it to continue to show his kindness, to continue to show his grace, to continue to bear his goodness. And he does it through you in your time of need. Love steps up when bad things happen. Love steps up out when evil presses in. God's people who know his comfort can also share his comfort and lead others to the person of Jesus Christ so that they will find hope and everlasting life just as we did. You see, God cares. God is broken hearted when you suffer. How do you know that? But is that really true? Is God really broken hearted when I suffer? Well, verse 34, he comes in and he says, where have you laid them? And they said, Lord, come and, and see. And the next verse, the shortest verse in all the Bible, but yet the most profound perhaps, Jesus wept. He was moved. He grieved. And he took his weeping and his grieving and he stepped right into the middle of their suffering. And, and we know that ultimately he's, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead and that there's a purpose that God has. But I want to stop right here because I want you to know that even if your, if your Lazarus hasn't been raised from the dead, there still is a future. God's still working. There still is a plan. You, you might not see it yet. You might not have experienced the completion of what he's doing yet. But you know that it's coming. I, I just want to share with you this morning. God came in. And some of you have experienced really bad stuff in life. And in, in suffering and pain and loss and heartache, God chooses not to back away. But he chooses to lean in. And he chooses to come close. So much so that the Bible records for us that he was willing to take on himself the cause of our suffering. By his wounds, we are healed. That means he was wounded ultimately, for our wrongdoing. And all the suffering that comes, he chooses to bear that on himself and pay the price as a great act of love, and then having offered forgiveness of our sin, a new life, a new way, everlasting life, a meaningful, purposeful life, restoration with God. And then he comes to walk alongside us and to comfort us and to bear our burdens all along the way. I submit to you that's a good 
No, that's a loving God who has allowed bad things to happen because of sin nature and the choices we made and yet chooses in the middle of it to take on our suffering upon himself and to love us with an everlasting love. Have you ever received that kind of love? Have you ever known that kind of love? My friend, I hope that if you're here this morning and you've never heard that Jesus died on the cross for you, for your sins, so that you can receive forgiveness, everlasting life, and so that you can walk with him and know him now and through eternity, I want you to know that that is absolutely what's going on. That is the narrative, that is the story that's unfolding before us. And it had to allow sin and choice in order for us to see his grace. And this morning, every single one of us can choose to receive that and be blessed. Would that be your choice this morning? Would you bow with me and pray? I just want to offer for you to make a choice this morning to find everlasting life forgiveness, being right with God through the Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for you. Lord, I need that forgiveness. I need that hope. I need to be right with you, and I can't do it on my own, so I choose to believe. I choose to receive Jesus Christ into my life. Yes, God, thank you. You gave us free will and choice, and it hurts sometimes. But I want to know all of your comfort and all that you have and the plan and purpose, and I want to enter into that kind of love that takes me right where I am, suffering and knowing loss and making a difference in this dark world to be the shining light of your love and grace. I want to do that. I want to know you that way. Thank you, God, for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.